Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. Today, we're going to speak with Pamela Sweeten, and Pamela is an entrepreneur and has a consulting business called P. Sweeten Consulting, and she works in the field of tracking and traceability of food. And she's out of the California area, so this is going to be a little bit different from our typical row crop conversations that we have. Pam, before we dive into your history, can we start out by having you tell us all of the things you're involved in, because you are one very busy lady. Well, Sarah, as I was mentioning, I wear lots of different hats. 25 plus years ago, I started in the almond industry. If you're a consumer, you probably say almonds. Those of us in the industry say almonds. But I started working with farmers and them placing their crops with a processor. Since that time, he's retired and I do it on my own, working with different processors in the state of California. And the food safety, traceability, traceback came out of that. And I took an on-farm HACCP course. So working with growers um, on their HACCP concerns on their farm, as well as taking the Produce Safety Alliance's Train the Trainer course, just to meet the FSMA regulations and needs of those growers. I enjoy all that I do because I do different things. And then I'm a founder of Women in Ag for Mentoring and Empowerment, which is a 501c3. And we do three days of speakers at the World Ag Expo every February in Tulare, California. Currently, I'm doing some business development for Chem Station and food and beverage for food safety. Okay, you are super busy. And just for our audience's sake, the World Ag Expo really is a massive show. And because it's in California, I'm not sure that a lot of people ever get a chance to attend it. But it does bring really, really huge crowds. And it is fascinating if anyone ever gets a chance to go. And if they do, our audience should definitely go and take in those uh, seminars that you guys provide. That'd be great. This coming year, we're going to be doing a webcast. So we'll be having YouTube videos of each of those seminar series. So even if they can't attend physically, they'll be able to find them online and be able to view those. And we cover four areas at World Ag Expo, personal and professional development, ag issues, and ag advocacy. Awesome. Is there a website where they're all housed together or an easy way to locate them? The best way to find them will be on our Facebook page, which is Women in Act for Mentoring and Empowerment. That's a wonderful resource to kick this off. Pam, can you talk a little bit about when you were growing up and kind of the path that you took to get where you're at right now? I probably took the most unconventional path. Being a 4-H'er, I took some 4-H courses, and once high school started, I really wanted to do FFA, but our high school only allowed for one extracurricular course, and my freshman and sophomore year, so it was banned, and finally, my junior year, I was able to go into FFA and take FFA, so I was a junior when I became a green hand, <laughs> um, but with that being said, I really wanted to go to our local junior college because it did have agriculture, and my mom was insistent on me going to the local four-year college, Cal State Stanislaus in Turlock, because it was closer. So I went to Stanislaus State and took communication courses. I figured that was the most alignment with myself, 
and attended there for four years before getting married and having my family. So I do not have my degree, but I'm a few units short. But at the same time, I'm still really happy with my courses that I took and how it got to me, got me to where I am today. When I was staying home with my son, a friend of mine that was a plant manager for a local almond processing company contacted me because they had someone out on maternity leave. So I contacted my son's previous babysitter to see if she had room for Martin to go back for, you know, like six weeks while this person was out on maternity leave. And she did. So that's how I got involved in agriculture, was (laughs) starting out in an almond processing plant facility. And the owner saw potential and thought that, you know, Pam, you're very outgoing and outspoken. I think you would be successful at this. So I started going out and talking to almond farmers, and this would be in the early 1990s in California, when we had almond farmers, but we had a lot of smaller acreage, not like today where we have a lot of larger acreage. So I worked really hard and built my clientele to bring farmers to his processing facility. Once he retired, I struck out on my own and kept a majority of those growers and continue to flourish today in that field. As I think is true often, um, your, your college, whatever that is, gets you your first job or at least the background for your first job and then you just kind of blossom from there. Absolutely. And seeing the needs that growers had is what led me to take the HACCP course so that they could address their on-farm HACCP programs. And then FISMA was implemented or signed into law back in 2011. And that connected me with different people that offered different avenues for farmers to be able to trace their crops and track their crops. So I looked for the economical solutions because farmers don't like to spend a lot of money, but they want to be compliant. Sure. And still produce a safe, reliable food supply. So can you talk about what HACCP is and, and FISMO and some of those acronyms that I'm not sure. familiar with? And I'd love to know. Absolutely. HACCP stands for Hazard Analysis and Critical Control Points. So on your farm, you want to have mitigation of risk, whether you're testing your irrigation water for pathogens or you're sanitizing and cleaning your farm equipment. Those would both be cr- critical control points that can be controlled. And then FISMA stands for the Food Safety Modernization Act that our previous president signed into law and Congress passed. Congress passed and the president signed. It levels the playing field, really, I tell the farmers. It levels your playing field because imports coming into America have to meet those same standards. And where they didn't have to before, a lot of our imported commodities now have food safety standards they have to meet. I get a lot of backlash from domestic growers. Oh, we never had to do this. But, you know, at the same time, our most vulnerable populations are our elderly, our young children, and pregnant moms. Currently, I have a three-year-old granddaughter, and her mother's pregnant with granddaughter granddaughter number two. And I have an 80-year-old mother, so I'm very much aware of those population groups. And we really need to reduce our risks, you know, with E. coli and salmonella, listeria, norovirus, because all of those populations are very prone to any of those illnesses. Sure. So you really ended up with kind of a scientific path in a way uh, that didn't necessarily exactly line up with your communications education. No, it definitely, yeah, <laughs> it was 
very unconventional, like I said. And it's been a joy to help growers have those steps in place and to meet their needs and do it cost effectively. Part of sustainability in, in my mind is the fact that farmers are profitable, right? So they can keep their operations going. So that's really is important to them. During the course of going through all of that, you talked about your mom really encouraging you to go into that four-year degree, but maybe some a pivotal event in your life or someone who took an interest that kind of guided you and mentored you? I would say that was really my first boss, which was Ned Bryan, who was the almond um, processor. He's been a mentor for over 20 years, and I still see him every year at the almond conference, and we touch base and check in. But in the early 2000s, I joined an association in California, a group called California Women for Ag. Within that group, I also joined American Agro Women, which is a national organization. I was never in a sorority in college. So this was kind of like a sorority for older people. Um, <laughs> I, I know that Sigma Alpha is an amazing sorority and have some dear friends involved in that sorority in leadership and just adore them. American Women provided me with numerous mentors, Carol Marks from Oregon, Doris Mould out of Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah. And I would really consider those to be mentors that I've had in the, since the 2000s, early 2000s. Wow. I got involved in California Women for Ag because FFA teachers don't really need parents. They need checks. And I was concerned about America having a safe domestic food supply. That's interesting. That, so that was your thread all the way back to FFA. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So I've met Doris um, several times, and she's delightful. And she, I can see why she would make an awesome mentor. So how fortunate for you to have that. Yes, it is. It's very fortunate. She's actually come out and spoken at um, our Women in Act for Mentoring and Empowerment Conference at Tulare a couple of times for me which has been a real treat to have her attend. So you made a real determined and intentional effort to network yourself through these organizations. And I think maybe that's a good takeaway for our audience to realize that you can kind of lean in and, and it didn't just happen by accident. No, it definitely does not happen by accident and very intentional um, organizations that I became involved in. And that's how WAMI came about because while these organizations are great, I felt like the mentoring was lacking in both of them, and it needed to be more intentional, and there was other women that felt the same way I did, so that's how WAMI came about, and while it says women in ag for mentoring and empowerment, we really reach out to everyone, men and women. I've mentored some awesome young men that are doing amazing things. One of them, I would say, is my son. I feel like I've had an impact on his life. When he was in high school, he said, Mom, I really want to get to livestock judge in college. Well, being from California, he went to an amazing high school with, with an amazing ag teacher, Miss um, Jennifer Terpstra, who's currently a teacher at a local community college. But, you know, he, he really wanted to be able to livestock judge. Different people here in California said, Martin, if you're serious, you need to really look at schools out of state. And that took him to Texas to a small college called Clarendon College, where he was set up for success and on to Texas Tech University. But I think parents, you know, we shouldn't hold our kids back. Let them, you know, give them their wings and let them fly and soar. 
I would say that he's my greatest success story because he did get to judge livestock in college at the four-year level even, not just the JUCO. Oh, that's a wonderful story. That's a really good advice for parents. <laughs> so <laughs> our audience needs to tell their parents that. And a good reminder for me because my, yeah. uh, my daughter is just off to school now. They can always have their parents call me. I'm yeah. happy to talk to them too. <laughs> that was very generous of you. Okay, so maybe can you talk about any obstacles or things that you had to overcome on your career path? In the early 90s, there was not a lot of women in agriculture. And when you get to the almond industry, there were even fewer. If there were women involved, they were usually in the almond board of California's um, offices, which is a federal marketing order, or they might have been the bookkeeper in the processing facilities. I always felt like the women on the farm sell themselves short. Even if you're going to stay or go back to the farm, don't sell yourself short because you're an integral part of that farm. I always found out more information from the wives than I ever went from the farmer. I would say that, you know, seeing that there were so few involved in ag, it really was a hurdle for me to get over. But being outspoken and not really taking no for an answer and being sort of on the persistent path that I could be, I overcame that hurdle. But I could see where a lot of women wouldn't and be discouraged and choose more traditional paths of teachers or nurses just because it's it's definitely easier than to go into agriculture. I'm hoping uh, a lot has changed, although I would say in the field of marketing, it's predominantly women and it's been that way for a while. So sometimes we get a little sheltered in the career I'm in just because you don't realize um, maybe some of the uphill climb that the careers take outside of that. But I hope it's getting better. Oh, it definitely is. I'm seeing a lot more women out in the field and not just as maybe an almond broker or working in that industry, but also being your PCAs or your chemical person. There's definitely a lot more women that are coming of age. All positive things. Oh, very good. Absolutely. So I know you have been a mentor um, because you've, my goodness, you've helped found an organization that's that kind of goal. Can you talk about what that's like for you? You know, being a mentor, you get more rewards than people, I think, look at. You know, it's a time investment, but at the same time to see those young people flourish and see them grow so much. A young lady, Nina, who's actually on our WAMI board now, she chose me as her mentor, and it's been a joy. I knew Nina when she was a young lady. Um, under the age of 10, and then got reintroduced to her as a college student. She's taken an unconventional career path as well, but I've always tried to be encouraging to her, and she brings, you know, different things to me of looking outside the box or thinking outside the box and what the needs are of the college student. Nina's currently um, doing her credentialing for an ag teacher, as well as working on her master's in ag communications. You know, I feel like she's doing things I wish I would have done 30 years ago, but there's no way I'd do it now. It's great to be able to benefit from your hindsight. And I guess that's a big piece of mentoring that I hadn't really thought about much is the idea that these young people can benefit from maybe mistakes we've made or things we wish we would have done differently, but they have to be receptive to receiving that advice. And um, she's a great example of that, I think. Yes, she's been a great example of that and things that I, you know, I wish I might have would have done or could have done 
and just to really, you know, be an encouragement to these young ladies. And ladies, look for someone that's going to encourage you. We don't need any more negative Nellies out there. <laughs> we need positive Pams. That's right, positive Pams. I like that. So can you talk about what your advice is for young women and as they're starting out their careers? You know what I would do, ladies, is definitely find your niche. Find what works for you. Starting out 20 plus years ago, driving into down dirt roads and into almond orchards and finding the house or the barn to find the farmer, you know, that was one part of it. But another thing I used to do, and I do it when it gets really hot here in California still, is I keep an ice chest in the back of my car. I keep water in it and sometimes an adult beverage. And, you know, farmers always seem to find a little more time when they've got something cold to drink. <laughs> That's good advice. So, you know, find your little niche, whatever it is that's going to work. And definitely, I don't know where you're at or where you're located, but I don't know too many people that turn down um, a game of golf. And if golf isn't big in your area, figure out what is and what the farmers do and connect or whatever industry you're in. Find that male-dominated activity and engage in it. I've got golf clubs. I know how to use them. I've shot shotguns a time or two, taking guys out to go trap shooting. So find that niche, embrace it, learn how to do it well, and at least well enough that you can be included. Okay. Even if it's learning about, you know, learn about wine, learn about craft beers, learn about cigars, because I guarantee you all farmers are doing or Anyone in ag is doing one of those things. Yep. I think you may have listed the top five right there. <laughs> Starting with golf and trap shooting. Um, I, that's, you know what, that's wonderful advice. No one has really talked about that, but that's really practical to get some skills that can help you build relationships when you have maybe nothing else in common with someone. Even in South Dakota, the farmers like to golf. We, they're really big on their um, member association golf tournaments. Those are always a lot of fun. Absolutely. Great skill. And so I definitely learn that skill. Yeah, I don't think anybody in college is going to tell you that you should probably spend some time learning to play golf and shooting trap, but that's really, really, really good advice. And you know, in college, you have to take a PE class, so you might as well take the golf one. <laughs> that's right. Anything else that you want to share on the advice front? You know, go like our page, Women in Act for Mentoring and Empowerment. I always try to share tidbits there. Um, I'm trying to get better. If you're into social media and, and doing things like that, let me know and I'll, I'll let you be an admin on the page and let you put your own twist on it. <laughs> I think that it's important to get more people involved and social media can be done from anywhere. Yep. We have our account also. I'm not as good at hosting on that all the time, but I always try to share tidbits and information on the Women in Ag page. Well, that's where mentoring. your communication background ended up helping you after all, right? <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> in looking forward uh, into the future and what you're seeing in the landscape in agriculture, can you kind of talk about what either concerns you have or what you're seeing happening and changing in our industry? You know, I think we're seeing the change in consolidation of farms, which kind of makes me sad. Yeah. A lot of these farmers see FISMA as too much. In California, we have a lot of regulations. A farmer has to have a water plan with their water resources board or their association that they belong to 
to monitor their groundwater. They also have to have an air resources plan. It just gets overburdensome. And unfortunately, California's pushed a lot of those farmers out of business. They've sold out to um, housing and subdivisions, and they've moved out of state. Theories move on, yeah. which makes me really sad. But at the same time, I still, you know, I try to educate the farmers with their on-farm HACCP and FISMA. And, you know, there is cost-effective ways they can do those things and try to encourage them to do that. But I, I think the biggest thing we've seen in California is a consolidation and larger farms, which is unfortunate. And I, you know, it makes me sad to see the numbers going down so much as far as how many farmers are actually growing our food to feed us. And that's a huge concern. Yeah, it's we're seeing it here too, although we are indirectly benefiting by your regulations because a lot of dairies are moving to South Dakota because it's just easier to, to dairy and, and to grow your operation and include your family in it. So... You know, another thing I would say is all of you ladies, look at policy. Policy is set, and that's an area I don't think many women look at as far as going into. You can make a change in agriculture if you went into, you know, working in your local state government or federally at USDA. There's some amazing opportunities there. You know, you've got your local ag commissioner's office that's making policy you have state legislators making policy and you have federal legislators making policy and all of these things come back and affect the farmer i always tell people ag is not just cows and plows it's so much more from communications to policy to rule making and you can be involved on that side as well that would help protect agriculture you are involved in that right now but not necessarily um your whole career i mean you've made that kind of a passion from what i can tell so it can be yes. multifaceted absolutely if someone was to kind of look along the career that you've had um Pam, what do you think you would hope they would say about you that i've made a difference in in either a policy decision that's happened or i've made a difference because i spoke up and made a difference in some young person's life Awesome. Well, those are wonderful, noble goals. Um, and I think you probably have achieved them already. So great, great work. So did we miss anything that you wanted to talk to our audience about? No, I think, I think we did good. There's so many opportunities for these young people. And, you know, it's not cows and plows. There's so much more. Whether you're working with your local utilities, you know, we've got Pacific Gas and Electric, we've got Southern California Edison, we've got local irrigation districts that provide power. I mean, there's so many avenues that you can go that are all going to help agriculture. Because farmers, they buy input. You know, I forget which president made the comment, a farmer buys everything at retail and sells at wholesale. <laughs> so and I, true. if more people thought about that when they were making policy, they might really consider how that policy affects the farm and can that farmer stay in business? Because like you said, sustainability is being profitable. Well, so you, you just gelled something for me that I hadn't really thought about before, Pam, which is that if you're coming, there's so many avenues in ag, and, but bringing a perspective, especially, especially if you grew up on a farm, to something that isn't maybe traditionally ag can help bridge for a whole group of people what it's like to be a farmer um, when they're regulating things or when they're making decisions about things like power that we kind of take for granted. 
I didn't grow up on a farm. And I tell people all the time when I go and I speak, I go, I'm a consumer and I rely on a farmer three times a day. And I'm lucky that I can rely on a farmer three times a day. Amen to that. Even consumers have a place in advocating for agriculture. If they understood it better. And that's what I try to do every day is make a difference and educate a consumer. And you can have that conversation in the grocery store. You know, when you see products that are grown in Chile or Brazil or Mexico, I mean, I've been in my grocery store in California and the only tomatoes in the middle of tomato harvest were coming out of Mexico. And I called my son and I've had that conversation with him on the phone. And it's a joke between us. He goes, oh, you must be grocery shopping, mom. (laughs) Having that conversation in the produce aisle, hopefully a few consumers overhear it and maybe look for the country of origin. You know, where is that produce grown? I guarantee you, American farmers do it better than any other country. We have the strictest regulations on our farmers than anywhere in the world. So when you choose your food supply, I I always say choose local and then choose domestic. Well, you are on the front lines of all of that. So I consider you the authority, and that's great advice. Well, thank you, Pam. Um, You've been super generous with your advice. I, I love that. The advice you gave about really finding your niche and then some of those really practical pieces about learn golf and learn trap and learn how to play essentially the game in that male-dominated world. That was awesome advice. Um, and let's hope that we maybe can talk some young ladies into helping out with policy in the future. So awesome advice for our audience. This wraps up this episode of Spark, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.